Hello, everyone, and welcome to another recap race analysis here of the Welt of Spain 2023. And today it was stage seven, a flat affair. And I'm joined with Patrick Blake of Audu Cycling and one third of the Echelon Cycling Podcast. And I mean, Patrick, not the most exciting stage, but what happened in the finale? Well, we only had a two man breakaway going up the road today, and they didn't get that much of a leash from the peloton like at all to the point where they were brought back with about 30 kilometers to go and then we went into an intermediate sprint where funnily enough Jonas Vingegaard gave back at Remco Avenapool's getting bonus seconds the other day and he picked himself up two bonus seconds in the intermediate sprint not the biggest thing but a little bit of a subplot there but what happened after that was a series of crashes even before then there was a crash by Garrett Thomas apparently where he was at the team car but he seemed fine later on in the stage so nothing going on too much there then there was another crash which involved Sepkus, although he didn't go down very hard, but it did contain, I think it was Hugo Hofstetter, Pierre Latour, just another of nervousness going into the finale of a sprint. And then finally, there was one of the more devastating crashes, which was unfortunately involved Timon Lensman of the Ineos Grenadiers, and it looks like he will probably be DNFing the stage because the medical staff were all around him and he didn't look like he was getting up. So that's really unfortunate to see, especially since he was looking as one of the more major protagonist for the Ineos Grenadiers who might have gone into a breakaway in the coming weeks. So rest up for for time and but we'll see him again next year, I presume. But moving into the sprint, it was pretty much like all the other sprints. It was Alpson taking it up with everybody trying to queue up behind him and it got to the last few kilometers to go and everyone pretty much only had their sprinter and a lead out man. And there was a turn with about 300, 400 meters to go it was Alperson who led into this corner with, uh, I think it was Rob Heese and Caden Groves. However, Groves sort of chopped his own lead out man. And then swooping in from their inside was Jeffrey Soup of Total Energies, who just pinned his ears back with a 300 meters to go and sprinted as hard as he could. And everyone was queuing up behind him and we were waiting and waiting and waiting to see who was going to come around him. It looked like or Luis Alouar of Cairoval was going to come round him, the Venezuelan champion. Edward Turns, Groves was trying to get himself out of a train. He was a little bit boxed in by Vandenberg, and everybody seemed to be trying to overtake Jeffrey Soup, but alas, they didn't. Jeffrey Soup of Total Energies, one of the most unexpected sprint victors of a Grand Tour stage, his first Grand Tour victory, and Total Energies will be absolutely, you know, elated by this, Scott. It was... It was a really chaotic sprint and Groves was furious and you were saying how, you know, he is the best sprinter here. He should probably be taking a lot of these sprints, but I guess, you know, Jeffrey Soup got the jump on him. I think Groves came in too hot into that last corner and maybe that cost him momentum and maybe he had to use up a bit of his sprint to try and get back into the into the wheels. But chaotic sprint is always at the Vuelta, so... I don't know we'll wait and see what happens in the next one but yeah what do you what do you reckon to it scott should groves have really been winning that i mean you you would think so no uh, but uh he also said right after the stage he seemed a bit annoyed as well <laughs> rightly so but he was saying that he was putting the blame on the carol rider and also the like the the shock of losing one of his teammates in that crash as well but we shouldn't focus on just caden groves like you said 
kind of messed it up in a way, but Jeffrey Bush, uh, no, not Jeffrey Bouchard, Jeffrey Soup, Patrick, what a win for him. I remember this guy as a leader man in a Giro, many Giros ago, and now here he is winning a stage. Absolutely remarkable. It must be quite a popular win for the team as well. Yeah, I feel like Total Energies have been knocking on the door of a Grand Tour win. You know, they brought in Sagan to really try and do that. But I think that Jeffrey Soup was probably not one of their premier riders to be expected to get a Grand Tour stage win. But I was quite surprised because they were sprinting with Van Gestel the other day. But like you say, you know, Jeffrey Soup as the, as the lead out man perhaps got disconnected from Van Gestel, perhaps thinking he was on his wheel and then just sprinted his heart out and nobody ended up coming around him. So it was a really surprising and chaotic sprint in, in this world to which had all the hallmarks of a previous sprint where there were, you know, crashes and chaos and a lack of sort of control in the last few kilometers. But yeah, it's a shame that these crashes seem to keep on plaguing the Vuelta. It seems one of the more, I don't want to say dangerous, but it, it's certainly taken a few casualties already inside the first week. Yeah, completely. And Arendtman out of the uh, welter, we'll talk about that. But in terms of Jeffrey Soup, just to put it in perspective, he's never taken a Grand Tour stage win. He's never taken a World Tour win. His only three victories before this was, uh, well, winning at the Tropicala Amisa Bongo race, winning stage one of two editions, 10 years apart, and also winning the overall, well, this year. But uh, Grand Tour stage on his uh, Palmares now. That is huge for him. But nevertheless, I mean, moving on, we kind of covered what went wrong with Groves. But Ineos Grenadiers is probably one of the big losers of today when Ironsman going out top five as well. Yeah, very strong at the Giro d'Italia and uh, quite a big crash. We don't know what, well, he's on the way to the hospital while we're filming this, so we don't know what the injuries are, but yeah, how big of a loss is that going to be to the aspirations of Ineos Grandes? We were even contemplating he might be the leader for them as well. Yeah, I think that since the Ineos Grenadiers haven't been living up to their own expectations, you know, Garrett has already lost a fair chunk of time on GC where he's minutes down already on on a lot of the major competitors. And especially since he went down as well today, I think that Ineos were perhaps looking more towards going for breakaways. I think that might have been something which they were targeting to do in the next few weeks. And Arendtman would have been such a good person for this, especially since he won up the Sierra Nevada stage last year from, from the breakaways. So he is really good from the breakaways. And therefore, it is a bit of a shame that he has... Uh, left for race because you know he would have been such a prolific rider of the brakes but we'll wait and see what happens with Geraint how kind of you know he has had a few crashes already in this race so far maybe he can recollect and regather and and do a good GC performance or maybe we'll see Garant Thomas being a, a breakaway artist who knows but it certainly doesn't help the Ineos Grenadiers that they've lost Lawrence de Plus and Timon Lensman who were both such important characters in the Giro d'Italia and the success that Ineos had there that they've lost those two integral people so now all of a sudden the team is lacking two very important mountain domestiques for Garant so I'm not really sure what they're going to do from here Ghana seems to be sprinting. I presume they're just going to be going and giving a lot of the green lights for their team to go into the breakaway, I would presume. And we'll wait and see what happens with Garant's GC. I mean, Egan Bernal lost a lot of time yesterday as well. So maybe that was 
well, we don't know if he he's up to it or if that was kind of alluding to getting in a breakaway later on. But I mean, they weren't the only team who suffered crashes. Obviously, there were a lot of other teams as well. But the one I want to focus on is Sepp Kuss crashing, winning the stage yesterday. We don't know what the damage is to him, but you never want a crash. So is, is that going to be quite vital or like quite bad for, for Jumbo Visma? I think that he'll probably be all right. He looked like, although he did come that come down, I don't think he took the brunt of the crash. Sometimes you can have a most innocuous crash and it can lead to a broken collarbone, but then you can have a really high speed crash like Boitrago the other day. Who I was thinking that's that's for certain, you know, he's out of the race, but you know, he didn't leave the race, so it's really hard to tell how riders will react to a crash because you it can look like the most dangerous ones can sometimes be and not have the most serious consequences, so it's hard to tell. But so we'll wait and see what Jumbo Visma say about it. But I think that you know, if Kus is, is injured, that will be quite detrimental to how Jumbo Visma are going to play out this race because he is the guy who is in front of Roglic and Vingegaard. That two-prong leadership hinges upon they need somebody in front of them to set pace. I mean, if Sepkus did leave the race for, uh, through an unfortunate crash, it might actually make the race more dangerous because you might see Roglic and Vingegaard off the leash a little bit early and attacking from far out. So I think that Kuss will be all right, but gosh, I, I don't want to see what would happen if if he did leave because i think yuma visma would be arguably a bit more on the offensive and i think that would be bad for everybody else because i think that would be almost impossible to stop not that they're not impossible to stop already i mean what would you make of Jonas Vingor sprinting for the bonus seconds he now sits inside of the top 10 officially ahead of a primus roglic who is just outside uh, in 12th place he's three seconds down on Remco Venepoel as well now so I mean interesting that it wasn't Roglic that they were going for yeah it is I think I'm not really sure what to read into it I'm not sure if it's just a oh Avonapol went for this last time and therefore we're going to sort of do our own thing here I'm not sure why he wasn't denied those bonus seconds by somebody Finn Fisher-Black was in fourth place in that sprint, so maybe UAE were trying to deny him bonus seconds, but obviously unsuccessfully. Like, you got to be out sprinting. Mm, Milano. Guys. Why are Come. they not using Milano? Yeah, use Milano. Or I'd, I, I just, I don't know. Maybe they were out of position or maybe, I'd, I'd, I really don't understand it. Two bonus seconds isn't much. And I don't know, this race might be decided on two bonus seconds, but it just seems a little bit, silly that other teams allowed that to happen in the same way that Remco was just easily allowed to get these bonus seconds. I would have thought that teams would be a lot more attentive to this kind of thing, but I don't know, maybe they just don't care, to be honest with you. Maybe they think two seconds, whatever. You know, Remco gained six the other day, but then he lost 30-odd yesterday, so it's the mountains which really decide it, probably not the intermediate sprints, but it still does make me a little bit confused as to why nobody else really reacted to it or successfully reacted to it. Like, come on, you've got to beat Jonas Vingegaard in a flat sprint, right? Come on, guys. Like, even I would stand a decent chance of keeping up. But anyways, that's basically it for this recap race analysis. Make sure to check out the podcast also available on Spotify. And the day belongs to Jeffrey Soup, who has one of the best beards in the Peloton, I would say. 
but make sure to comment down below what you thought of the stage hit the like button subscribe to the channel if you're new here and of course as always thank you for watching and we will see you tomorrow